You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, listen, the purpose of this series is to stretch our minds. Uh, It's the culmination of hundreds of hours of work for us as a church to lay out a five-year vision plan. Five-year vision narrative, a five-year vision story, kind of where we are heading as a church. Now, we said last week that this is not going to change who we are at the core of who our mission and what we are. It's not going to change our mission. But who are we becoming? The better question might be, What is God doing here at the Gateway Church? And I think that's an interesting question. And then, can you see it? Because Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 in the Message Bible says this, If people can't see what God is doing, they will stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to to what He reveals, they will be very blessed. Now, how many want to be blessed? Let me just see a show of hands. You've got to attend to what God is doing, and you've got to be able to see it. Can you see it, church? What God is doing. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where you could see, uh, but you couldn't see what was most important, or you couldn't see what you were actually looking for? Uh, when this happens, uh, things don't go well. How many have ever opened up the refrigerator and you're looking for, let's say, some Hidden Valley uh, uh, salad dressing, and you're looking, 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 and you can never find it? And has that ever happened to you? It happened to me last week. And my wife is like, it's right here, Right? Or you're saying, man, I need that one pair of socks, and uh, you're looking through the sock drawer, and and you know it's there, but you just can't see it. How many has that ever happened, right? Selective seeing, right? It happens in my life. Jessica, she says, you're looking with your man eyes, right? (laughs) She makes fun of me all the time, and I'm thinking, man, I've got vision problems, right? Well, the truth is, from a spiritual standpoint, we may be in a place where we are not seeing what God wants us to see. It could be right there in front of us, but we can't see it. Now, are there any ophthalmologists in the room? Okay. Anybody, you know, studied eyes or like eye doctors? Okay. Good, because I hope this is true. There are vision problems that people can have. And the first one is called nearsightedness. How many of you are nearsighted, right? You know, you got glasses to, to do that. And just from a spiritual standpoint, you could be nearsighted. So focused on today, right? What's happening right here, right now, that you can't see beyond the horizon. You can't see uh, what's far away. You can't see into the future. And just turn to your neighbor and say, that's a problem. The other type of vision problem is farsighted. How many of you are farsighted, where you can see far away, but up close, you need help. That's the dreamer. That's the visionary, right? Where you could talk about the future forever and what God is doing, but you cannot see what God is doing today. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a problem too. There's a third vision problem. It's colorblind 
blindness. Anybody colorblind here besides the Hardys that we always make fun of? Oh, we got some others in the back. Okay. <laughs> My kids, we love teasing Joe and, uh, and Sam, and uh, that's just, it's just fun. But where, every, <laughs> but where everything looks the same. And how about from a spiritual standpoint, when everything looks the same, you can't see a distinction, that's a, that's a problem. You come to church and you're like, ah, it's just the same, even though God was moving in a powerful way, right? You can't distinguish with what God's doing. You can't see it and say to your neighbor, that's a problem. And then there's one more vision problem, the tunnel vision. And I'm not sure if this is an actual uh, condition, but it, it fits with my message, uh, where you see only a very narrow window, only maybe what's important to you, and you miss the big picture. There are blinders up, spiritual blinders. And one more time, just say to your neighbor, that's a problem. Now, the purpose of this series is to break barriers, to be able to see, right? to open our eyes and our mind, to be alert to what God has for us personally and then corporately. How many want your eyes opened and to be able to see what God is doing? <laughs> Am I talking to the right people? There's like two of you that raise your hands. I'm not even going to ask that again. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm going to assume that you're here because you want to see and you want to know what God is doing. Amen? See, the purpose is to help us as a church to know where God is leading us. Now, last week we talked about breaking barriers and breaking the 200 barrier. Um, I couldn't locate my book last week and uh, where we got this, but there's a great book, How to Break Growth Barriers, and uh, I wanted to read this. The 200 barrier in churches, the 200 attendance barrier, is the most difficult barrier to break, according to research. Now, we said last week that half of the continents, approximately 400,000 churches, run about 75 in a weekly attendance or under. And, uh, and many of us have been a part of churches like that or seen that. Um, but it says this, it goes on, it says, At the 100 mark, your church has now become larger than 60% of its peers. At 140, you have become, or you've come to the 75th percent uh, of your peers. And at 200, you are now 85%. That means you're 85% of churches are smaller than 200 in average attendance. And I'm thinking, okay, it, if this is the hardest barrier to break, we've got to bust through that. And we believe that God wants us to do that because we know what God's call is for us to reach one more. And with God's help, we believe, and I shared this last week, that over the next five years, we are going to bust through that barrier as a church. And, and we believe we'll at least double, and, but there are some barriers that are uh, prohibiting us to do this. And there are two that we talked about last week. I want to circle back and talk about these with some more specificity. And um, someone, I'm not going to tell you who, uh, but they said, Pastor, you need to bring it stronger. And so I'm about to, and I want you to hold on to your belts. The first barrier is a lack of evangelistic passion within our people. And I'm talking about myself included. You say, well, how would you know if there was a lack of evangelistic passion? I'm glad you asked. And even if you didn't, I'm going to share with you. 
we asked the staff to kind of compile some of the things this week, kind of saying, hey, what are some indicators? Let's look at some of these. If you've ever, or I'm sorry, if you've never invited anyone to church or have never had an unchurched couple over to your house, you might have a lack of evangelistic passion. Just let that sit in for a second. Or the idea of mine, like my parking spot, my seat, my church, that would be a lack of evangelistic passion. Or you expect unchurched people to have their lives together before you welcome them into the church. Or you don't look uh, to introduce yourself to any new person at church at all. And I know that's not an issue uh, in many cases here. When Sunday morning is the highlight or the only experience with God in the week, you might have a lack of evangelistic passion. Or you don't know who your next door neighbors are. I just want to admit, our neighbors right behind us, we've lived in our house for 11 years, and I've had one, maybe two conversations with them. We almost never see them. And I'm just saying, shame on me. Shame on our family for that because it's a sign of lack of evangelistic passion. A couple more. When you don't have any unbelievers that you are regularly evangelizing to, pretty straightforward. Or you never think during the week about the people in your life that are not going to heaven. Or a lack of understanding of how hopelessly lost you are without Jesus. And then the last one, you think that the church is about you. A lack of evangelistic passion. It's a barrier for us. It's a barrier for our staff, for our board. When this kind of was revealed to us, my heart was grieved. I'm saying, Lord, let this not be true as we move forward, that we would address some of these things and that God would help us to reach one more. The other barrier that we've identified is a sign of a lack of involvement. And I know that the, bar- the, uh, the skids go up and say, wait a second, I serve, or I, I volunteer, or I do this. Well, let's, let's look at some of the signs of a lack of involvement. Number one, instead of asking what you can give in terms of gifts and service, you ask yourself what you can get out of church. That would be a sign of a lack of involvement. How about this, uh, the fear of failing to whatever task you will be doing within the church context. And you say, man, I just, the fear is just keeping me back. I'm not going to do it. And that's a lack of involvement. How about this? You've complained about something that you don't like around the church, but you've never actually done anything personally to make it any better. And I won't tell you who wrote this, but that said you complain about worship, but then you don't join the team. I, I know, I'm not saying Bobby wrote this, or I'll just continue. <laughs> you don't like the kids' church, you don't like what's happening in kids' church, but you won't serve there. So it could be Rachel, all right? Or you think something looks gross or dirty around the church, but you won't mention it or offer to fix it. That's a lack of involvement in your mind. It's a sign that you might be uh, less involved. All right, let me continue. A couple more. Doesn't see the need or the value of being involved. You say, well, I'll just come and I'll just be and I'm okay with that. Or you think of yourself as an attendee instead of a participant, kind of saying the same thing. 
couple more. Overall, self-centeredness or entitlement. This one applies to both being a lack of evangelistic passion and a lack of a sign of a lack of involvement. Uh, and then the number, uh, the last one here, it, it's the same as the last one. And the first side, again, is you think that the church service is about you. Would be a sign of a lack of involvement. Lack of involvement is that on the flip side is an all-in mentality. Now, it's not easy to share these things, and I get that. But I believe that as we share these things, that there's going to be something happening on the inside of us, and we are going to see some progress. I'll give you an example. A year and a half ago, uh, Pastor Bobby was reminding me that we shared that the greatest need at that point, we did some surveying, was that people weren't connecting with each other. And, uh, and over the last year and a half, uh, well, a year and a half ago, uh, our small groups were essentially non-existent, and we have seen so much growth in that area. We haven't arrived, but our Sunday night lives have been an absolute blast and uh, stronger attendance than ever. Our women's events, our men's events are so important. Our connect groups that we're going to be launching uh, in just a few weeks, uh, kind of laying out the plan for the fall, um, is going to be another step in the right direction. And we made progress in that. And so we believe as we share about this lack of evangelistic passion and we share about this lack of involvement, this all-in mentality, that we're going to see some progress in that. And it's going to be us all stepping up and saying, what can we do to break through that barrier? Now, the mandate is crystal clear. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. We looked at it last week, right? It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the great commission. That's the everyday commission. And nothing has changed since Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we also read last week that says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That is the mandate for us to be reaching out. We talked about it last week, that the 12 disciples who walked with Jesus, who heard Jesus share these truths, they did it. Many of them gave their lives for this fact. And then we talked about Paul last week, who wasn't there, didn't hear it from Jesus personally, but he did it as well. Someone invested in Paul, and Paul carried out the mandate. And we talked at the, last week that we all are required to carry out this commission, that we're called to do the same thing. Every generation is the Acts 29 generation. That means, uh, like we said last week, there's no Acts 29 in the Bible. That's because you are Acts 29. That you are the one that is called, and it's our turn. It's your turn. It's my turn. But what would that look like? What would it look like if we were really fulfilling this Acts 29 type of mentality that we're out there, we're getting the job done? Well, what it would look like is spiritual growth in one at a time. Put up our spiritual growth uh, track that we've talked about. See, there are people that are out there in the upper right-hand corner over here that are looking for something. These are people that have not made a decision for Christ. They need a salvation experience. Are you with me? And they've got to break through that barrier. 
They move then to an infant disciple stage. And then if they don't get connected, or if they become disconnected in any way, they will fall away. But once they're connected, they move to a maturing disciple status. And if they become inward focus at that point, they're in trouble because they will digress. But a maturing disciple that is outward focused and reaching uh, to this point of total surrender where they've been activated, that is what an Acts 29 individual will look like. Where they've been activated to reach one more. And the reaching one more, it's about reaching forward to someone that's looking for something, but also reaching back to bring a maturing disciple to that place of total surrender. Now, it's not easy to do that. And along the way, there are barriers that have to be broken. And many times, it's barriers of our past that have to be dealt with. And each barrier takes faith, doesn't it? How many know the Bible is very clear? It says that uh, it takes faith to receive salvation. It doesn't just happen automatically. It takes faith. Well, that same faith it takes to connect with others. And it takes faith to keep growing, to keep maturing. And let me tell you, if you move to that total surrender, which we're going to talk about next week, you will, it will require a lot of faith to be activated to reach one more. And remember, if you stop along the way, you're going to digress. Now, along the way, uh, in this cycle, this Acts 29 model, you've got to understand that there will be ups and downs. It's not all roses when you're serving the Lord. And we are all sinners, and we have a sin nature. Ephesians 6 says that the fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of this dark age, right? And you look at the early church, which we kind of idolize, saying, oh, we want to be a first-generation church. Well, listen, the first-generation church had a whole lot of trouble. There were a whole lot of issues, a whole lot of ups and downs. I still think we should strive to be like them. But look what uh, Jesus uh, revealed to the Apostle John in Revelation 2 and 3 about the seven churches, the primary churches of the time. In Ephesus, they had forsaken their first love. They had fallen away. In Smyrna, they were rich, but they were slandering one another. In Pergamum, it says, this is, quote, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. In other words, they were following the teachings of Balaam, which was a lot of uh, false teaching. In Thyatira, they were tolerating false spirits, a Jezebel spirit. In Sardis, uh, the revelation to John was for them to wake up so they'd fallen asleep. In Philadelphia, it was hold on. In Laodicea, it was that they were lukewarm and they needed to be charged up and they needed to be addressing that. So the early church wasn't this perfect model, but it was a good model to follow of total surrender, of kind of following the model. And we looked at Paul's life last week, for example. The early church had a lot of issues. There was a lot of dysfunction. Remember when we went through the series, many of you were here uh, for 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the Corinthian church was up and down and had so many issues. And it really comes down to our human nature. That even, uh, uh, even the best of us are going to have some ups and downs. I was thinking about the greatest king, arguably, that ever lived, King David. 
and think about his ups and downs. You might be familiar with his, some of his highlights. He was a shepherd, right, um, uh, favored by his, uh, by his dad. Uh, he was anointed as king as a young man. His friend with Jonathan. Uh, he was a lot of favor. He won a lot of battles. In so many ways, King David was a good example. How many would agree if you know the story? But then King David had some trouble as well. He lied. He had this great cover-up. He commits adultery. And then instead of just admitting that and moving forward, uh, he tries to cover that up. He puts his troops in danger. He actually murders somebody. And until the, the, uh, uh, Nathan, the, um, the prophet, exposes him, David was heading down a bad, bad road. The greatest king who ever lived had these ups and downs and had some serious barriers to work through. But the key for David, for King David, was his soft heart. And the key for us is to have a soft heart in this pattern as well as we make our way through this spiritual growth track and we go over and over in this healthy way. And not only a soft heart, but you got to have a clear vision as well. Otherwise, you will get off track. The pull of the world is serious and it is dangerous and you've got to be wary of it. Now the reality, like I said, is life is full of ups and downs. And I know some of your ups and downs. And some of you, you would just, you could give an example right here, right now, that life is messy. Life is not easy. And our spiritual growth journey is not easy. And the truth is, is that none of us, you don't get to this point of arrival. It's a, you get to do it again and again and again. As a staff, we were looking for examples of a great story, a testimony that would perhaps challenge us to kind of take the right steps in the right direction. And the story of Randy Tidswell kind of came to the top. Her story is amazing. And we're going to get a little piece of it here in a second. Um, but as uh, before we do that, I want you to know that Randy's background, um, compared to where she was growing up to where she is today, and compared to where she's going, it is unmistakable that God has helped her. And let's listen to her story, and then I'll follow up with it. This is Randy Tiswell. Hi, I'm Randy. Um, I've been going to Gateway for six years now. Started coming with Tyler, uh, my husband. I grew up in a divorced family. My parents divorced when I was five. I have a sister who is two years younger than me. Did not grow up going to church. I would occasionally with like a grandparent or an aunt, um, but never regularly. Um, grew up with parents who were alcoholics and um, used recreational drugs. So alcohol was like really big in my life, my whole life. Um, chose to stay away from it. Um, I just didn't understand why they were put before the things that you know we needed or wanted. Why those were more important to our parents than us. Um, we had talent in the summer of 2012, and we attended church regularly, pretty much every Sunday, um, other than when Tyler was away at school. Um, and when he got a little bit older um, and started to like I could tell he liked going for the interaction and it like really made me want to go and now that he's older I like 
driving down the road, for instance, the other day, he said, Mom, you know why Dad's tall and you're short? Because that's the way God wanted you to be. So I really enjoy things like that, like just hearing how he's growing and learning and the songs that he sings about God. And I didn't have that opportunity growing up. Nobody ever really brought me to church. Um, and then just seeing him grow, and even now our younger children growing and learning about God, um, really keeps me definitely coming. Um, for myself, um, the change would be like, I made a lot of new friends. Once I made the new friends and realized I didn't necessarily need the friends I had outside of church because I could relate to the people here a lot better as far as the things we'd like to do. Um, you know, they didn't pressure me to go to the bars, they didn't pressure me to drink, different things like that. That's really helped me. I didn't go to church mostly because, I mean, I didn't grow up going. I didn't have anybody really to go with. And I don't like to be in an area where I don't know people. So until I get to know people, I don't typically enjoy going to places. So it even took me a long time to get comfortable being here. One of my favorite things as far as my journey coming to church would be my children um, and the experiences that they're going to have growing up versus the experiences I had. For instance, you know, we don't have the alcohol or the recreational drugs in the house. Um, and we're choosing to have our children grow up um, learning about the Lord. Um, and there's a lot of friends that we have here and even just all the older couples and people um, who definitely love our children and want to see them grow and help them grow. So that's one of my biggest loves, I guess, about having my children grow up in the church. I love it. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, we, we videoed for about 30 minutes, and there's a whole lot that we couldn't capture just in a short clip. But what's interesting to me about Randy's story is she grew up in this place. Uh, there was drugs and alcohol. Um, Bobby was saying that uh, that for a lot of her growing up, her parents didn't even have a vehicle because they, they chose other things instead of what was you know, important for their family. And uh, what's great is that with God's help, Randy has broke through a barrier and they have decided that they will never go back to some of those old patterns. And I love that. And it was a daily mindset or a pattern that had to shift in their mind uh, to be able to do that. Now, if Randy was here and she'll be here second service, but uh, I would ask her, is life perfect today? And of course, the answer would be no, right? There's still issues. There's still strong, strongholds. But when Randy talked about the people that she has walked with, walked with, She's part of one of our connect groups, or has been, uh, the moms group that met this past spring, and she talked about just the strength there of other moms coming alongside and discipling her, investing in her. She mentioned in the story here uh, about her friendships, uh, that she's got friends here at the church that aren't press pressuring her. There are mentors, of course, her husband, Tyler, uh, who was kind of raised in the church, uh, but then also these Bible studies. And they, all these things helped her break through some barriers of her past. And I believe that her future is bright. And I will tell her that second service uh, as she's here. And what's great is that that can be your story as well. In fact, that's what God's heart is for you, to have a story similar. 
I was thinking about even in my own life. Uh, at my wedding, I shared this a couple weeks ago, that I stood up at my wedding and I said, like my dad did when he was at his wedding, uh, I, we stopped everything and declared, I grabbed a microphone and said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24. Well, my dad did that back in, uh, you know, way back, I was like 30, 40 years ago, whatever it is now. And then I did that 21 years ago. And what's interesting is that my family, before my parents, there was divorce within our family. And my parents, I remember them talking about it when I was a kid, and they still talk about it today. They determined in their lives not to get divorced. And what's great is they broke a past pattern from their families, and then they instilled something into me, into both of my sisters, and by God's grace, both of my sisters and Jessica and my marriages are still all intact, 21 years plus for all three of us. And God, we broke that barrier, or we broke that pattern of the past, and we've continued to go through this cycle of spiritual growth, trying to avoid spiritual pitfalls, not getting sidetracked. And, uh, and what helps us to do that is having a soft heart, having a clear vision, kind of a picture of where we're headed. And what's great is, and I was telling the Hardys this the other night, my parents along our journey uh, have, uh, have helped us along the way. They have sent us away and to do little marriage things. Uh, just recently, they sent us an email and said, hey, uh, if you are willing to uh, go through these eight marriage lessons, I'm thinking, do we need help? Or like, what's going on? They will pay us to do it. And we're like, hey, I'm motivated by money, right? And so, so we're going to do that. And I said, how long do we have? And they said, no time frame. I said, well, we'll get to it. And, uh, uh, but, but they continue to invest and continue to sow seeds in that area, continuing to give a picture of what a healthy marriage looks like. And I'm grateful for it. And we want to do the same for our kids. And I know you do for yours as well. Because it, the truth of Proverbs 29, 18 that we put up earlier, if you can't see what God is doing, you're going to stumble over yourself. But if you attend to what he reveals and what is he revealing in your life, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed. Now, part of the process of this whole journey started back in February. This whole Breaking Barriers series started back then. And we talked about some initiatives last week that we are committed to over the next five years, keeping our services relevant for our guests, making sure our worship and our, our messages have excellence in them every week, uh, that our kids and our youth ministries are sharp and the best that we can be. And so, Bruce, the standard's high, and uh, we want you to bring the best. Uh, we want to create trust and excitement where people won't want to miss even a single service. And we also believe that a key to our future is our connect groups, which we're going to be laying out starting next week. And I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end of the message. But, and then we're also going to, another initiative is that we're going to have activation points where we can encourage each other to do what we're talking about, to reach one more and saying, hey, here's an opportunity for you to invite your guest. And we've got one of those opportunities this fall that will emerge and we'll share a whole lot about it. Part of the process was to write out a vision narrative. 
and we kind of read some of that last week. I want to read another little portion that describes our future, and there's some important parts in this short, short part here. I wrote here that as these initiatives, the things that we just talked about, as these initiatives unfold before our eyes, this is key, our church will look different. I just want you to know that from this point forward. We are not going to be the same today than we are when we turn into 2018. Things are going to look different. Then it says we will see a balance of unbelievers, new believers, maturing believers, and total surrendered believers attending our services. That's where we are headed. Right now, if we were to take a survey, in fact, in small groups, we're going to talk about this, uh, uh, we discern that we are heavy on the maturing side and we have very few people looking for something and that's going to change. Say, well, what is that going to look like? You know, if the church is going to look different, am I going to like that? Well, I don't know, but I guarantee you this, the church is going to look messy and it's going to be hard. And it will not be church as usual. It's going to be time-consuming to bring others along, to disciple people. And I believe that the hardest work is ahead of us. This is not a time for us to coast as the building is being erected. And we're going to, we'll continue to bring updates about that. It's an exciting time, but it is not a time to coast. It is time for us to be discipling one at a time, each of us engaged, where it becomes second nature for each of us to reach one more. Now, last week we looked at a couple of verses uh, in regards to this, and I want to bring your attention back to these. Uh, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 says this, and I believe this is the word of the Lord for us, and uh, it's, it's, it's a picture of where we're headed. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent which we are doing. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Verse 3 says, For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in these desolated, uh, desolate cities. That is our future, church. We are headed in that direction where we are expanding our territory and we are asking God to pour out His Spirit on us. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, we also looked at where, where God was talking to Moses at Horeb. In verse 6, it says, You have stayed too long or stayed long enough at this mountain. And I want to say, we have stayed as a church at this 200 barrier long enough. And it's our time to break through. In verse 7 says, Break camp and advance to the hill country. Verse 8 says, See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore that he would give your fathers. I believe that God is opening up the door for us to see more people connect with Jesus. Back in Isaiah uh, chapter 61, I should have had you keep your finger close, but in Isaiah 61, it's the chapter where it describes the year of the Lord's favor. It's a great chapter to read. You ought to read it today. But in verse 7, look what it describes. It says, instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. This really resonated with me. 
and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So you will inherit a double portion in your land. I believe that we are going to see a double portion right here at the Gateway Church. And it says, in everlasting joy will be yours. God is moving. And I just want to say, no matter where you have been, no matter what you've been through, no matter how many setbacks that you have suffered, no matter who or what has tried to stunt your progress in your spiritual growth, today is a new day for you and for me. Today is a new day. God wants to do new things in our lives. And we cannot let the past determine our future. Just like Randy addressed things in her past that, 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 were, that were likely to be passed on to her. Alcohol, drugs, uh, other, other things, um, misfortune, and, uh, and, and uh, financial struggle. But she's broke through with the grace of God and is continuing to do so. And the same can be true for each and every one of us. The abuse that may have happened, being mistreated at work, maybe someone's walked out in your family, given up, thrown in the towel, maybe something else is really wrong, not even sure what that could be, but the Holy Spirit's revealing that to you. It could be a bankruptcy or on the verge of bankrupt, it could be divorce. Or it could be alcohol, or drugs, or a whole slew of other things. Things in your past that you've got to break through with God's help. I just want to say that you can't let your great future, which I believe God has for you, to be held back by your past. Instead, could you believe with me for a double portion in your life? A double portion in your land, in your situation? A double portion. But I do want to just almost guarantee that if that's where you're headed, it's going to look a little messy. And it's going to take a lot of work but it's worth it. And I believe God is calling many of us to that journey. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it's one of my favorite verses in all scripture. It says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God created in advance for us to do. It's this idea that he's got a plan, he's got a purpose for each and every one of us. And that plan starts with breaking that barrier of salvation. Breaking through to a new life in Christ. And I believe that today is someone's big day where their journey is going to start afresh and anew. And I'm curious, just by a show of hands, if you're here today and you're saying, you know, Ben, Pastor Ben, um, 
I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I were to die today, that I would go to heaven. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. Just make it clear. Just say, you know what? I know for sure that I, if I were to die today, I would go to heaven. All right, lots of hands. Lots of hands. Majority of us here, probably. But I also want to ask another question. And we're going to keep our eyes open because I think it's important. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm not sure. Maybe I even just raised my hand just because everyone else was. But you're saying, you know, I'm not sure where my hope lies. I'm not sure where if my salvation is secure. You can know for sure today if you accept Jesus as your Savior. If you're interested in doing that first service today, I just want to give you that opportunity. Would you just raise up your hand right where you are and say, man, pray for me. I'm not going to pull you out or call you out, but who, who this morning, first service, is ready to receive Christ into their heart? Last week's second service, we had, was it three, I think? Uh, give their heart to the Lord. It's incredible. The story of God moving. Who this morning, second or first service? Anyone at all? All right. I'm just going to pause here for a second before we deal with the barriers that are in our lives. And I want you just to, and we did this last week too, to let the truth of of the reality of this moment sink in. That there are no potential unbelievers here today. And I just want you to see with me that our future, in our future, that is not going to be the case. That there will be uh, unbelievers, people looking for something, week in and week out, that are flooding our doors, curious. Can you believe that with me? Can you see that? That's what we got to be praying for, and that's what we want to be activated for, that God would use us to bring our guests to see us reach one more. Amen? Amen. Back Eyes back on me here for a moment. The next part of this is this idea of barriers in our lives. Struggles, the pain, right? The hardship. I just really feel like this week in particular that we've got to let go of the past. The negative things of the past will only limit where our future is going. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but if you have a soft heart, and you like, like in uh, Randy's story, uh, you can see barriers broken. Things that have held you back in the past can be broken in Jesus' name. It's a lot of hard work. But how many this morning would say, man, I've got some barriers of the past that need to be dealt with. Just lift up your hand right where you are. Yep. All over this place. Absolutely. And Jesus, he's going to help us to do that. And I want to just paint a bit of a different picture. In regards to whatever you just raised your hand about, I really believe that the Lord has a word for you that your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids, their lives will be changed forever because you broke through the barrier that you just identified. 
between you and the Lord. Future generations will continue to race past these barriers. There'll be maybe a little bump, but it won't be the pitfall because you have addressed them. Can you believe that? Can you see that? I can. And just like Randy's story, you're breaking through with God's help. Let's stand. And we want to respond this morning by just coming to the altar and just laying our lives at his feet. And I'm going to ask Pastor Bobby to lead us and then we'll close here in just a moment. Let's just press in to what God is doing in this moment. And you may want to respond or worship where you are. Whatever. Let's do it though together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you help us along. And God, I just want to pray for the many people that raise their hands in regards to barriers of the past that need to be broken. Barriers of abuse, barriers of neglect, barriers of struggle, barriers of sinful behavior, barriers, God, that have held back or been pitfalls. And God, I pray that those barriers would be just annihilated as we walk out this life. That there would be strength given to individuals. And Lord, that your hand would be upon us. And help us, God, to walk through this messy life we call following you. And help us, Lord, in every way. And God, now I pray that as we conclude here, that we would go in the grace of God, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. We love you. Thank you for being here this morning. Go in the grace of God and go break some barriers. Amen? Amen. amen. Turn and greet one another as you leave this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.